Okay, Acts 27. So, remember last week, what happened? In 26, King Agrippa. Y'all gonna talk to me today? King Agrippa told Paul he was almost persuaded. Almost persuaded, King Agrippa. And then Paul, what's gonna happen to Paul? He, he's end up, he's gonna have to go anyway. I have to go to Rome anyway. Um, chapter 27. Let me just go on. And, uh, it, it, it's a big long ship ride. And it ends in a shipwreck. Um, what is going to... Before we just walk through about what happened. It's a lot of this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened. Um, before we walk through it. I think what what we need to see is that God's providence, remember what providence is? Somebody define providence. The providence of God is what? Huh? It's will, his will, yeah, that's true. How is his will done in providence? When we say providence, we're talking about God working things for his will, ordinary things, not like miracle or something like that but just the ordinary events of life the things happen you run into somebody you ain't seen before and god kind of put you all together for you know the ordinary events of life god's orchestrating everything through the ordinary events of life he's his providence is always working what you're going to see is god's providence is working in this uh this uh voyage to uh, to rome and uh, it's going to end at Malta in this chapter. Uh, but he, he is working in, in his providence to, to get Paul to where he's supposed to be. Where is, where is Paul promised that he's going to end up? He's going to end up at Rome. No matter what happens. He's going to end up at Rome. Because God promised he would stand before Caesar, stand, before, uh, stand in Rome. Now, a lot of things are going to happen. And through this chapter we're going to see that... At almost every turn, it looks like Paul's not going to make it. It looks like Paul's not going to make it to Rome. But at every turn, he trusts in God, knowing that he is going to deliver on the promise that he made. We have promises. We have things that, you know, God has said, I'll never leave you, forsake you. I'm working all things for good for those who love him according called according to his purpose but we also have things that happen in our lives and it's easy for us to say well god just where you at how come you ain't paul didn't do any of that and pretty much everything that could go wrong went wrong on this voyage i'm not gonna read verses one through nine for one through eight uh because they're basically there there's information there so and we could preach on it so it's not like it's not important but just for the sake of time what goes on there is they leave from caesarea they're in caesarea as he just you know talked in front of agrippa they leave caesarea they get on a ship and they're basically bouncing around from port to port uh you know getting on this ship getting on that ship going from port to port on their way to uh on their way to uh, they're, they're wanting to go to rome they're on their way to rome uh there are other i'm just giving you a little synopsis of the first eight verses because i'm not going to read them there's other prisoners on the boat the, these prisoners are probably we don't know for sure but they're probably going to the gladiatorial games in rome to die uh and so there paul is put in the custody of a man named uh julius and he is a centurion we're going to get to know him and this centurion is kind to paul he's he's good <laughs> 
good to Paul. He allows Paul to, you know, uh, have friends to minister to his knees and all that kind of stuff. They, uh, they catch a ship and they start hopping from port to port on their way to Rome. Uh, they get finally into an Alexandrian grain ship, uh, which Alexandria supplied like two-thirds of the grain to the Roman Empire at this time. So they get on this ship that's probably bound uh, for Rome or ports thereabout. And so they're going, uh, and then the things start, the weather starts messing up. It starts, you know, wind starts blowing, the weather starts pushing their ship, they start having trouble, and they finally end up at this port called Fair Havens. Uh, that's kind of the literal translation of the actual name. It's probably called, you know, that's just the, it's called the Fair Havens. We'll leave it at that. And so at verse 9, they're at this port called the Fair Havens, and Paul wants to stay there. Uh, Paul's going to warn them. In verse 9 it says, Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was all was now already passed, Paul admonished them, and he's going to tell them, the fast there is the day of atonement. And the reason why he says sailing was too dangerous, uh, because the fast had already passed, in 59 AD, uh, the day of atonement was in October. It's the beginning of October, October 5th, 6th, somewhere around in there. Uh, sailing in the Mediterranean was basically shut down during the winter. Uh, you couldn't, you, it, you could, but it was pretty stupid to sail during the winter because of the storms that were going, the fogs that were going. Remember, they're not sailing in big vessels with diesel engines on the back of them. You know, they're sailing in these these wooden ships with sails, and they're navigating by the stars. So if you got overcast overcast nights and days for for a couple weeks, you lost because you have nothing to navigate by. You out on the open sea with no stars, no navigation whatsoever. So basically, uh, travel uh, across the Mediterranean was shut down during the winter. So he says, travel has become too dangerous. The fast had already passed. The day of atonement, October, usually between November and March, it was shut down. And so they, uh, Paul says in verse 10, he said, And said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much with." will be with hurt and much damage not only to the lading of the and ship not only to the stuff but also of our lives nevertheless the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul and because the haven the fair havens where they were the port was not commodious what does commodious mean you know what commodious means yeah suitable it was not suitable, commodious to winter in. The more part, which means the majority of the people, advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenix, which is Phoenix, uh, it's the name of another port, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, uh, and lieth toward the south, west, and the north. So the. Paul's like, you guys know that we don't need to be sailing through winter, the winter months. And it was, it was well known. And so Paul says, look, if we keep on, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And so what he, what he suggests is that they stay there in the fair havens. Well, for some reason, we don't know why, the, the Romans... Uh, and the crew, uh, they decide we're going to push on to this next port. We're going to push on to Phoenix, which is the name of the port, uh, and we're going to we're going to winter there. We're going to stay there. Now, you need to distinguish between. There's three different kind of people on this boat. There are soldiers, which are the Romans, the centurion, his guards, all those kind of things. There are sailors, which are the crew of the boat, 
that they're on and they're prisoners. Okay, so there's three different kinds. We're gonna see the we're gonna see the the distinctions here in a minute when that when when all hell starts breaking loose. Um, he says they decided. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna go on. We're gonna push on. You know. Thanks, Paul, for your advice. We're gonna we're gonna make it anyway. We're gonna try to get get to this other port, and then we'll win it there because for whatever reasons, lots of reasons it could have been, we've decided we're we're not gonna stay here. Paul saying, not a very good idea. So in verse uh, verse thirteen says, oh I'm in the wrong place. There it says, and when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing hence they sailed close to Crete. They looked around and it saw they thought. Uh, they thought they thought it was a good, nice south wind. Everything was wonderful, and they uh, said, "You know what? We're going to take off. We're going to go, and it's going to be awesome." And so they sailed off. I'm, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about something else. But not long after, there arose in a temp, it a tempestuous wind called. Somebody want to pronounce that for me? Eurachlodon. Eurachlodon. You know what Eurachlodon means? You're a clay It's a different word. You're a, I wrote it down. You're a culon. Yeah. Uh, it means northeaster. And it's the name that they named the wind. I mean, it's not translated here. It's just written. But it means northeaster. It's called the northeaster. Even today, um, they call it the gregale or something that blows across uh, the Mediterranean. And it blows from the northeast. And it was uh, a dreaded wind that came in the winter is one of the reasons why they didn't and what it does here is they set sail there's a map in the outline if you want to look at the outline sometime that shows the journey and how they got pushed off when they push off from crete to go to this other port this uh storm this wind came and it just pushed the boat west it pushed it way west and so once that happens they're pretty much out of control it says this wind came up, this storm, this northeaster, and when the ship was caught, it could not bear up to the wind. We let her drive. I looked at I'm going to put that on the back of my truck. We just let her drive. <laughs> we, they just let it go because when you go to fighting, now think about this. Today, boats are made out of fiberglass, you know, big boats made out of steel, aluminum, and all that kind of stuff. This is not one of them boats. You go getting pounded with winds and waves and all those kind of things, the boat's going to break up. The boat's going to be destroyed. So they understood that, you know, we're just going to ride, we're just going to ride this out because if we go to fighting against it, the, the boat's not going to last. You know, remember, it's a, grain, it's a grain ship. It's not, you know, it's not the Titanic. It's not a battleship. It's not a, you know, it's not one of those kind of ships. And so they just, they just let it ride out. Now, the storm gets worse and worse. They, all they could do was just go with it. So let me just read these few verses and then we'll talk about it. It says, running under a certain island uh, is called Clauda, which we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship uh, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, they strike sail and were so driven. Now, what we're going to see is they, in, in verses 16 through 19, I'm going to explain these to you. They did everything that they could to everything they knew how to do to keep the boat from breaking apart, to keep the boat where they could navigate, to keep the boat where they could steer. Um, much work by the boat in 16 is that that means they secured the lifeboat. 
Because you see it when, when, which when they had taken up, they, when they had taken the lifeboat up, when they secured it. Uh, the, the word for boat there is not ployon, which is the word for ship, the word for boat. It's the word, it's where we get the word skiff. It's where that word comes from. And so they're talking about the little boat. We're going to see later on in this chapter, they cut that boat loose and just let it go. Uh, but they, they, they secured the lifeboat. They did what's called, any of you ever sail? Any of you ever been... Is it no? No. Okay. Uh, they did what's called frapping, and what that what that means is they undergirded the ship with these supports. They, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, it was probably straps or pieces of steel or chains or whatever. But they they put them under the ship, let them ride under the ship, and then they pulled them together, which is like there were straps around the ship that would keep all the wood together. You see what I mean? Does that make sense? They did that, and then they, they dropped the sail, so you know the wind can't blow them, and they just let it roll. And then in verse, uh, verse uh, 18, when we were being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. They threw crap overboard. They threw the cargo overboard, some of the cargo. Then the reason they did that was, I'm just giving you all a bunch of information right here, was to make the ship ride higher on the on the water. You know, it wasn't weighed down to ride higher on the water. It says, the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling. That's the rigging of the ship. Anything they didn't need. So you get the picture here. They were su- putting supports around the ship so it wouldn't break up. They were securing everything on the ship. They were tossing some of the cargo overboard. They were tossing basically the rigging overboard. They were tossing all that kind of stuff overboard in order to get where they wouldn't die. They were doing all that they knew how to do to keep from having a shipwreck in the midst of this storm. As we continue to read this this, uh, chapter... It's easy. I found myself doing it as I was studying the chapter. And once we get about halfway through the chapter toward the end, it's easy just to start forgetting that there is a huge storm going on. While they're eating down in the ship, I want you to always remember there is a huge storm. Wind, waves tossed back and forth. Waves are slamming into the boat. The wind's rocking the thing. and they, I mean, they are just, they're, they're caught in a storm that pretty much they lose hope that they're ever going to survive. It says, <clears throat> verse 20 says, And when neither the sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. What does it matter that the sun and the stars didn't show up for a couple days? Yeah. Not only are the sails dropped, and they're just being driven by the wind, wherever the wind's pushing them. But they have no stars. It's overcast. No, The sun doesn't show. The stars doesn't show. So they have no idea where they're at. They have no idea how to locate their position. They have no idea to, you know, to navigate. Have no idea about the time. All they can know is it's getting dark. It's getting light. They have no idea where they're at. And the, the wind has pushed them now. Now we're going on four days. That they've been in the storm. I mean, you can imagine, you can go a long way in four days and not know where you're going. I don't know if any of y'all have any um, uh, experience on the ocean, but you just let that boat drift for four days, you can end up a long way away. Have you ever, you, any of y'all ever been swimming in the ocean? Like just at the beach, you notice that that undertow that they have there at the beach. Like you just be playing in the water, and then you'll look up, and you're a mile down the beach from where you started. It'll take you, and you'll be you'll be gone. And so uh, they didn't have any way of knowing where they were, and basically they just lost all hope. You know, there's, there's no way we're going to get out of here. Now, enter Paul. This is what's going to happen. Um, well, let me say this. 
They're in this storm, and we, we kind of know, if you've read the chapter, you know what's going to happen. Can you think of another storm that some of Jesus' disciples were in at one time? When Peter walked on the water. What happened in that storm? Jesus calmed, he calmed the sea. He calmed the storm. That's right. Now, is Jesus going to calm this storm? No, but the Holy Spirit has Oh, he has the power to, but is he going to do it? No, the ship's going to break apart. They're going to be shipwrecked. They're going to be, they're going to be destroyed. The oh. ship's going to be destroyed. But God is going to still keep his promise to Paul. God's still going to work. And that's a good lesson. I was thinking about that the other day. It's a good lesson for us. Sometimes God doesn't steal the storm right when you say steal the storm. Sometimes God has put the storm there for you to ride through it. He's going to give you the strength to ride through it. He's going to give you the strength to go through it. He's going to give you the faith to believe. Uh, Paul is going to Paul is unwavering in his faith in this whole episode. Um, but Paul doesn't ever walk out on the ship and say, "Jesus, why ain't you still the storm? Why am I going? I mean, you promised me that I would be in Rome. Why am I going through all this? Why is all this happening?" Was there a certain time that he had to be in Rome? <clears throat> A certain time that he had to be? No, I don't think so. Well, the reason, the reason I'm asking this, and, and you're right in what you said, but, you know, reading through all this, what I went through was, why didn't he just wait? You know, why didn't he just wait and go at another time? He wanted to. I know he wanted to, but, I mean, what kept him from just absolutely putting his foot down going... Because he was a prisoner, yeah. He had to go when they said go. If it was up to him, they would still be sitting in Fair Havens. Because remember, he said, "Hey, we don't want to. You need listen. I'm telling you, it's going to be dangerous if we go." And they decided to push on, you know. And so he's going to mention that too, right here. But here, here's where we're going to see Paul's reaction to all this. And so this guy, this guy, I mean, his faith never wavers through all this. Um, even though there's not a miracle that stills the storm, there's not any of that stuff. First thing he's going to do is he's going to encourage the men. Verse 21, he says, But after a long abstinence, which means they hadn't eaten for a long time, uh, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not loosened from Crete and to have gained this harm and lost. He's saying, I told you we shouldn't have left. Now, do you think he's just saying, I told you so? No, probably not. Probably not. I mean, it's possible that some of that's in there. But basically, he's he's showing them his credibility. Listen, I told you, I mean, not just as a prophet of God or as someone who speaks for God. We're going to get to that in a moment. But just as an experienced traveler, he's gone all over the known world for the last 25 years. He's been on ships, been across the Aegean, been across the Mediterranean. He knows his stuff. He's saying, listen, I told y'all that we shouldn't be here, that we were going to suffer harm and loss if, as, as if we went. And then verse 22, he says, and now, he says, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. He's already telling them, look, the ship's going down but none of you guys are going to die we're all going to be we're all going to be saved from death we'll put it that way um that's a pretty wild statement to say right in the middle okay guys all right listen up i just want you to know i told you we shouldn't be here and because i was right you probably need to listen to me now you need to be encouraged 
Be of good cheer. Don't worry. The ship's going to go down, but you're all going to be saved. I'd be like, what? The ship's going to go down? Are you crazy? And he tells them how he knows that. He says, God God came to him. He says, for 23, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am. He says, who I belong to. And whom I serve, saying, this is what God told Paul in the night, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them which sail with thee. Now that's a weird way to put it, don't you think? God said, the angel of God said to Paul, Don't worry, you're going to stand before Caesar, and God has given you... All the men that are sailing with you. Why would he say such a thing? May, of course. But God has given Paul the men. He says, God has given you them. It makes me, I don't have no definitive answer, so it's not like I'm looking. But it makes me think that more than likely Paul had been praying for the men. Don't you think? Like Paul had been praying for their lives. God, you know, God's going to give you what you asked for. Probably not. Yeah. Sure, sure. It makes me think that the way it's phrased, it's just strange. I mean, he didn't really say, you know, I'm not gonna. Uh, everybody's gonna survive. He said, God has given you all the men that are with you, and so it makes me think Paul had, you know, Paul had probably been praying. I mean, he's been on the ship probably a week now and all this storm and tempest tossing back and forth what you figure he was doing i'd be praying and he's praying for the lives of these men and he says you know god's given them to you so paul says look god told me last night the angel of god came to me said the ship's going down he said but but none of y'all are gonna die god's promised i'm gonna stand before caesar so at that at this moment paul is encouraged and he's encouraging them. He's saying, look, God has spoken. He's told me that this is going to be the way it is. Now, if I'm Paul, I'm thinking I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it to Rome. It don't make no difference, right? But from that moment on, it seems like just all hell breaks loose in this, in this ship. And things get worse and they get worse and they get worse and worse and worse and worse. And I can't help but think Paul is like, if it was me, I'm thinking, okay, I mean, didn't you say I was going to make it to Caesar? Didn't you say I was going to make it to Rome? Okay, now's a good time to stop the storm. Uh, I, that's what I would be doing. But this guy's faith never wavers. I mean, he, he spends his, think about this for a minute. For me, God's told me I'm going to make it. God's told me we're all going to make it. It's all good. Then things go from bad to worse. And the situation gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And it just keeps getting... And Paul's, Paul's um, behavior is that of... It's almost like he takes on the role now of making sure they stay strong. 
It's almost like he takes on the role of, okay, doesn't matter what happens now. I know that I'm going to be standing in front of Caesar. I know that all these guys are going to be saved alive. And so he takes on the role of making sure that they're, he, making sure they're encouraged, making sure they're strong enough. He's going to make sure they eat here in a minute. It makes sure they're strong enough to do what needs to be done. This whole situation goes from bad to worse. It says, in, uh, in 25 and 26, it says, Wherefore, sirs, uh, be of good cheer, for I believe God that this, that it shall even be as it was told me. He said, how be it, which means accept the fact that we must be cast upon a certain island. So he's already been told they're going to survive. The ship's going down. They're going to be, they're going to be run aground on an island. He's already been told all those things. And it says, but when the 14th night was come, they've been on the sea two weeks. Now it's easy to forget. It's a storm going on. Like, have y'all, none of Anybody been on a cruise? Y'all have no boating at all. Some of y'all been fishing on a boat, surely. I used to water ski. Used to water ski. Anybody ever been on a boat in a storm? Okay. It's pretty sickening, ain't it? It's a, uh, uh, I'm talking about a real storm, you know. This 14 days. Water banging up against the ship. When 14 days they've been on this boat, 14 days they've been fighting against these, you know, fighting to keep. It's a sailboat, basically. So it's not like, you know, cut the motor on, let's go. It's like they're fighting the rigging and the ropes and all that kind of stuff. They're doing all they know to do for 14 days. And it says on the 14th day, Fourteen uh, uh, night. It was fourteenth night. Uh, as as we were driven up and down in Adria about midnight, the shipmen, the shipmen are different from the soldiers. Shipmen are the crew of the boat. Soldiers are the ones carting the prisoners. Uh, the shipmen. I lost my place. Deemed that they drew near to some country, some land. They thought, okay, at midnight they're saying, I think we're getting close to land. So what they do is. And sounded. What does sounded mean? That means all this is like nautical language. What they would do is they would drop a like a sort of a weight with a, a rope on it that had measuring lines, and when it hit the bottom, they could see what the depth of the water was. It says they they took a sounding and found it twenty fathoms, and when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. You see, it's getting shallower and shallower. And it says, and fearing lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. Now, think about what just happened. Okay, it's easy to go over it and not understand what's going on. They are desperate to get to land. But it's midnight. And they realize that the water's getting shallower and shallower. They're coming up on some land. They don't know where it is. There, there's no, you know, it's no fog lights. It's no, no, you can't see nothing. It's dark. It's black. You might have some lamps there on the boat, but you can't see, you know, in a lamp, you can see about... You know, whatever. You outside, you can't see nothing. So what they did was, the only thing they could do, they dropped four anchors and they just sit there and wait. They have to wait for daylight because they can't see the land. They can't see the rocks. They can't see nothing. If they run up full speed on some rocks, you know what's going to happen. And so they, they're in the middle of a storm. And all they can do is sit and wait in the middle of a storm with four anchors. So they know they're coming to land. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that'd be like? Like we on the sea for 14 days. Tossed back and forth. Wind blowing. 
you know, waves smashing up against the thing. Not sure we're ever going to get out of this alive. We finally get to land and it's pitch black and we can't do nothing but put out the four anchors and wait for daylight. This is probably the scariest part of, of the whole deal because really there's nothing to do. I mean, you throw out the four anchors and you just wait for the sun to come up and hope you're close to land, hope you can get the ship on the land. They're sitting there and the storm's still going, this boat's still rocking, waves are still slamming up against the hull. All these things are going on. You can imagine how these guys were, uh, I mean, it would be terrifying. It'd be terrifying. It's terrifying on those big, huge cruise ships when they start bobbing and weaving. You can imagine what it was like in this little, little, little grain ship, little boat, a uh, little wooden boat. Anyway, I, I find that a whole lot more amazing than y'all are looking at me. <laughs> I mean, it was scary. It was scary. They just had to sit there and wait. You can imagine how exhausted they were. I mean, that's another thing. I can't imagine just, I mean, how physically they mentally exhausted that these guys were. Oh, I'm sure. 14 days. And when the day was coming, it's almost daylight, Paul besought them all to take meat. He's saying to eat, saying, this day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting. They hadn't eaten in 14 days. He says, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray to you, take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not a hair fall from your head of any of you. He's still trusting, knowing God has said, none of y'all are going to die. He's saying, look, when the, when the sun comes up, we're going to have to do some work to get this ship aground. He says, so you guys need to eat. You need to eat. And I can imagine, I mean, can you imagine, okay, you guys need to eat. You know, the boat's rocking back and forth. The last thing you want to do is eat. So what does he do? He demonstrates his faith. He says, and when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And look what happened. They followed his example, his testimony. Then they were all of good cheer and they also took some meat. And we were in all in the ship, 200, three score and 16 souls. How many people is that? 276. 276 people. That's exactly right. It's obviously not that well, it was not that. It wasn't like the little boat that Jesus and the disciples were on, but it wasn't like a cruise ship either. You know, 276. Most of these people were prisoners that would have been down in the in the galley. You know, so it was it was bigger than a fishing boat for sure. But it was just a wooden wooden grain ship is what it was. We're going to see that when they had eaten, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. That was all the grain, the, the wheat that they had. They, they threw it overboard. They're getting ready to run the ship aground. Uh, he prepares for it. He encourages them. Now, listen how serious that it was. Oh, wait a minute. I skipped some. Didn't I? See, y'all supposed to... When they sounded, they stopped the boat, fearing they dropped the anchors. It was so serious. When I, that's why I was saying when it was, it was so uh, scary. It was so scary that the shipmen tried to sneak off the boat. They tried, the sailors that knew all about sailing, they knew all about storms, they knew about the ship that they were on. They're like, this is suicide to stay right here. In the middle of the night with the waves crashing against us and all of this, this is suicide to do this. So they try to sneak off the ship. It says, um, 
uh, 30 says, And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat, which is the skiff, the lifeboat, into the sea, under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. Which means, they said, Hey guys, we're going to go lay down some more anchors. We'll be right back. And really, they were going to get in the ship and they were going to haul butt in the skiff because they were terrified. They understood these are the sailors. They knew, look, this is dangerous for us to stay on this boat anchored to the sea floor in the midst of this storm in pitch black. Now, we'll take our chances rowing on the on the sea. We're getting close to land. It's only 15 fathoms deep. So we'll take our chances. And they say, you know what? They try to uh, they try to do it uh, sneaky. They try to say, you know what? We're going to go let down some anchors and we'll be right back. And really, they, they were leaving. And Paul looks at the soldier, not the shipman. He looks at the centurion. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Now, look what he said. He didn't say, unless these guys abide in the ship, they're going to die. He looked at the, the crew, the sailors, the shipmen were getting in the boat. He looked at the soldiers and said, listen, unless these guys stay in the ship... You can't be saved. Now, if you're the centurion, what's that mean? <laughs> Y'all getting back on the boat. <laughs> Y'all getting back on the boat right now. And so that's exactly what he did. Uh, he got him back on the boat. It says 32 says, Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. They let the lifeboat, which probably wasn't the best idea, but they let the lifeboat go into the storm. And so we already talked about Paul getting them to eat and all those kind of things. And it says, verse 39, When it was day, they knew not the land. They didn't recognize where they were. They saw the land, but discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded unto into the which they were minded they wanted to beach the ship on that if it were possible to thrust in the ship they wanted to beach the ship so what they did was when they had taken up the anchors they actually cut off the anchors they committed themselves unto the sea of uh, the anchors they committed themselves and loosed the rubber bands the rudder bands i said the rubber bands the rudder bands means they lowered the steering rudders so they could steer the boat and they hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward the shore they Put the sail up so the wind would catch it. They lowered the rudder so they could steer. And they cut the anchors so the boat would be free to move. It says, and falling. Now, all of this has gone on. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, finally, we're going to get this thing. And we're going to run up a ground here on this island. And everything's going to be okay. But that's not even close to the end. It says, and falling into place where two seas met. He's talking about a reef right there. They ran the ship aground, not onto the beach, but into these rocks, into this, into this reef. And the forepart, which is the front, stuck fast into these rocks and remained unmovable. And the hinder part, which was the back, was broken with the violence of the wave. So the front of this ship gets stuck in the reef, gets stuck in the rocks before they ever get to the beach. And the waves are slamming into this back part so hard that the ship is starting to break apart. It's starting to, it's starting to disintegrate. And it says, and the soldiers, now, now they know we're in trouble. This is it. We're all going to die. 
And if we don't die, we're all going to have to jump in the water anyway. So that's just as bad. Uh, the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. The soldiers were like, we just need to kill all these folks and get overboard. And the reason they wanted to kill them, because if you're a Roman guard and you were guarding a prisoner... If your prisoner escaped, you assumed the punishment that was meant for him. So if your prisoner was condemned to death and you let him escape, you you died. You if your prisoner was to be crucified, you would be crucified. If your prisoner was, I don't know, to get 40 lashes and you let him escape, you would get the 40 lashes. And so Paul is on trial for what? To be executed. So they know, at least in Paul's Paul's case, if Paul gets away, if he jumps out in the ocean and swims off, we all going to die. We all going to die. And so their their thing was, let's just kill them all. Let's just kill them all and don't worry about it. And so what you see here is this centurion, Julius, verse 43, willing to save Paul. What did he want? He wanted to save Paul. He kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should be cast themselves first into the sea, get out to land, and the rest, uh, some on board, some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Now, think about this for a minute. Here's the point, and then we can talk about it if you want to. we got some extra time. God's providence worked. God promised Paul that he would stand before Caesar. Could Paul have drowned in the shipwreck? Not from God's perspective. Could Paul have been killed by the Roman soldiers? No. Not from God's perspective. I mean, in time, it might have seemed like it. God was working all these things, all these things... And it got so bad. Even after God told Paul, look, the ship's going to be lost. You're all going to be saved alive. You are going to stand before Caesar. Even after Paul gave him the promise, it got so bad. I mean, everything that could possibly happen, happened. They... Lost at sea, uh, the the got, had thrown everything overboard. They finally got to where there might be land. It was dark and they had to wait. The guys, the sailors, were were trying to get off the boat because they knew how dangerous it was just to sit there in the middle of this storm. Uh, when they finally ate and were comforted and everything was good, daylight came. Praise the Lord, we're going to get to the in this island. Then the ship gets stuck and starts breaking apart. And then, you know, okay, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to jump and just swim to the shore. And the soldiers are like, uh, we can't let you do that. We're going to kill everybody. And, they, I mean, you just name it. From the soldiers' intentions to their actions to the weather to the storm to the reef to all these things that go on, you couldn't have, you couldn't have put more terrible circumstances in all of these events events that were happening but in this in this we see that Paul never lost his faith he he was the one encouraging the men he was the one praying to God in front of them blessing the he blessed the bread said the god that i belong to the god that's going to said that we're going to you know save y'all alive all of these things work together even the shipwreck even when the ship was breaking apart and at that point it probably looked like we're all going to die it's hopeless there's no way to get out of this thing even through through all of that, God was working and brought them every single one in accordance to his promise safe to the island. We're going to find out in the next chapter. It's Malta. Safe to that island 
just like He promised. And so what we see here is I, I really want to make the connection between this and the storm that Jesus stilled. Sometimes we get the idea, there's sometimes that Jesus does still the storm that you go through. But there are other times that Jesus expects us to keep faith and ride the storm out. He's told us that he's gonna that we're not going to be defeated. We're not going to be destroyed. We're not going to be, no weapon form can come against you, more than conquerors, all those promises. And sometimes we're called to be that Paul in the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of all this storm, when everybody else is saying, we're not going to make it, we're not going to get out. Sometimes we're called to say, you know what? God has made us a promise, and I'm going to hold fast to that promise. Do I know? I mean, the ship may be... It may, it may look like the worst shipwreck that you could possibly imagine. It may look like we're never going to get out alive. It may look like this and look like that. But I refuse to believe the circumstances that we're in because God has promised me that we will be delivered through it. And so sometimes, sometimes he doesn't steal the storm. Sometimes he just calls you to ride through it. And we don't know. I mean, I don't know, but... The uh, the men that he was with, I mean, what a testimony it was to them, to the centurion who was kind to Paul for a reason we really don't know. Any thoughts? Like you said, though, like in uh, Galatians 2, 20, it says we're not long wrong. Sometimes we go through something gross, but sometimes we go through it with somebody else. That's true. Maybe he was using Paul to teach them or something. Maybe so. They had to be sick, and hungry, and I'm sure. frustrated, and fear, and no time stressed out. I mean, oh yeah. People had to think different, knowing that Paul was a believer, and he was speaking up that he was. And we don't really have any testimony here in Scripture. I mean, I'm sure he did, but we don't have any testimony of him preaching to them guys on the boat or anything like that. He was living for Christ in the midst of it. Look, God has said that we're going to make it. That it's going to be okay. He didn't seem to waver in it either, so I mean, that yeah. has to be fine. Yeah. Even, in, even when it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. I mean, by the, time, by the time the ship's breaking apart, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. And it's just, you can see it from the very beginning if you read the entire chapter, read, read on into the next chapter. This was God's purpose. I mean, I can't explain it, but it was God's purpose for them to be in the storm. It was God's purpose for them to be shipwrecked. It was God's purpose for all these things to happen, to happen just the way that God has purposed them to happen. While it was going on, I'm sure Paul didn't understand, you know, because he told him, he told him, well, he told him the ship's going to run aground. And he told him that they're all going to be saved, the ship's going to be destroyed. If you're Paul, you're thinking, why? I mean, God, you're in control of the weather. I got to go to Rome to preach to Caesar. Why don't you just let me go to Rome? I mean, what's the purpose of all this? I don't know. I mean, I really don't. But I know that there is a purpose. Because God told him beforehand, look, this is what's going to happen. Ship's going to broke. Ship's going to be lost. All you guys are going to be saved alive. And it happened just the way that he said. Good? Make sense? Any questions? You got all kind of things going on in your life. 
easy for us to be. God, why are you doing this in my... God is really good at being God. And what we're called to do is just like Paul, trust the promises He's given you. Trust what He's given you. Understand that, you know, He don't... He don't always still the storm. He's given us the Holy Spirit so we can ride through the storm. Okay? Now all these people are kind of witnesses of what God can actually do. Maybe it was to spread the word further. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're all headed to Rome. There's no telling who they're going to... destroyed or lost. That's right. Anybody else? All right, let's go. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for giving us hope in the midst of the storms. And we ask that you'd be with us today.